It's time for Talking Tauntauns! Your Star Wars source at AIPTcomics.com. Hey, what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Talking Tauntauns. This is episode 40 for us. We're, uh, we're getting there. We're almost at, uh halfway to triple digits it's exciting <laughs> it's, we're we're four tenths of the way to triple digits. hey we're getting there we're getting there <laughs> um it, i'm just stoked that we're at 40 episodes i guess is is what i'll i'll say there Re- remember um, when we were unsure if we were gonna make it to like 10 <laughs> we, i think that was that was our goal was like let's just get to 10 <laughs> Well, things things have definitely picked up over the last uh, few months here with the absurd amount of content. Uh, but before I get to that, I am JJ Travers, and you're listening to Talking Tauntauns, the official Star Wars podcast for AIPTcomics.com. And the two folks uh, you heard speaking before our introductions are my two co-hosts, Jim Lane and Connor Christensen. We're all very excited this morning, so apologies for the wonky opening here, but yesterday... Uh, was Disney Investor Day, and it brought an absurd amount of announcements for the Star Wars franchise. We also got the new episode of The Mandalorian, uh, so it's going to be a good show. I'm really excited about it, uh, but before we even get into what we're primarily here to talk about today, uh, Jim and Connor both have their own little Star Wars uh, segments to share about some content that they've recently enjoyed. So, yeah, Jim... I'm gonna have you kick us off this time. So oh, look at Connor, that! He, he passed it off yes, this time. Yes, yes. Instead of leaving <laughs> it up to you two, yeah, I'll take the baton. So my, I have a little, little Star Wars story. Um, I had gotten back in April. I had gotten the Star Wars uh, face masks that Disney was selling, and it took them quite a few months to come out. But they had one that is of the child. Um, and that's pretty much the one I wear everywhere. I, I absolutely love it. And a lot a lot of people kind of like, oh, I love your face mask. Like, thanks. Like, kind of get, you get good responses um, to it because nobody's going to go, that's a stupid mask. Um, or at least nobody to my face. Well, it's the, and, the one you have on your Twitter profile, right? Yeah, it's the one I have on my Twitter profile. And so I was wearing that to the dentist uh, where... I felt very weird taking off the mask. Um, in public, I should not be taking it off, but you probably can't clean my teeth if I don't take it off. So, But as I walked in, one of the ladies in the background, she's like, oh my God, is that baby Yoda? I said, yeah. She's like, where did you get it? And we get into this conversation about where I got on the Star Wars shops. And like, it was back in April, so I don't know if they have it there anymore. And the dude, obviously a dude, sitting at the computer at the front I've never seen before, and I've been going to this dentist for a few years now, goes, do you mean Gargu? Or it was like <laughs> Garga. And I, I went, actually, his name is Grobu, and if you're going to correct someone, you should probably be right. <laughs> come you, uh, right or do, don't even come though you don't, Even though you don't wear glasses, glasses like Connor and I, did you do one of these? I did not, but it's just like the uh, – like, if you're going to like sit there and like like mansplain cuz you know like that every as soon as he got a name everybody's like yeah now you're going to get the people that are like do you mean that like it, oh his don't name? you mean Darren that's his name <laughs> yeah and so like as soon Little as he said guy. it i'm like if you're <laughs> going to have named like, him Darren <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you're going to be the a-hole that corrects people you should probably be right about the name that you're correcting them with 
Come on. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get past if they had named the baby Darren. <laughs> this, is, this is like don't get me wrong Grok, Groku's kind of an absurd name but if they had been like well he has a name he does Darren <laughs> that would have just been I don't know I think it's, it's so funny it's Bill yeah or like yeah that's Tom I continue to make my case for uh, Lucasfilm to hire me as you can see <laughs> <laughs> you know that guy like that that guy saw that one episode where they named named the child and he was like I can now correct everybody. He you know yeah. he like fired up his Twitter and he you know he 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 cracked his fingers and he's like time to tell people it's Grogu not Baby Yoda, idiots. Uh, uh, how dare they use the name Baby Yoda. He's probably the same guy who told people like he's actually not Yoda's baby so we should probably correct it. Oh, you know he is. You yeah. know. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to find your dentist and leave a negative Yelp review just for his receptionist. Oh, boy. I don't That's even know if he was the receptionist. Like I said, I've never seen this person before. <laughs> he was actually just a repair guy. <laughs> yeah. Entirely po- possible. He, he's actually not even supposed to be there. <laughs> don't head down this dark Yelp review path, Connor. See, <laughs> yeah, it, no. See what it could do. Oh, gosh, man. Lucas. All right, Connor. <laughs> it's your time. Uh, my story is less about, I, I mean, it is, is more um, about not interacting with people. Uh, Star Wars Squadrons uh, dropped a, a couple of new updates, um, including a new map and two new starships. So I spent uh, a good three hours last night um, playing with the new starships. They both came out last night, um, which was Friday the 11th. And uh, super fun. They, they have the TIE Defender, uh, which... Is famous from Rebels. That's the new Tie Fighter that Thrawn was developing. Um, Vader was a big fan of as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was really, it's really, really cool. Um, has shields. The other Tie Fighters don't have shields, so this one has shields. And then they also introduced the B Wing for the the New Republic. And uh, I was really excited for the B Wing. Um, and it sucks. I hate it. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really hard to maneuver. It's not very like, you know. It's pretty slow. Um, well, what what type of you, role does it play within the squadron? It's a bomber role, so it, it makes sense. Um, whereas the Tie Defender is a, a fighter class, uh, um, so it, it makes sense that the B Wing's not as uh, maneuverable. But I fired up the dogfight mode, and I played a couple matches as the Empire and used the the Defender and was honestly doing pretty good. I was like, I think I got my new main. And then finally got a match as the New Republic. And I was like, all right, here we go. A little B-Wing action. And like, after like four deaths, I was like, yep, done with this. This thing's, I hate this. Um, see, that, see, that's funny because, correct me if I'm wrong, when uh, it was Ezra who, who went and picked it up in Rebels from that like sh- special sh- ship designer or something, right? Well, Hera was the one who test drove it. Oh, that's right. That's right. And it was like, uh, she was like, this is amazing. It's like, I I remember her taking out like tons of enemy ships with it. No problem. Yeah. Well, in the, in the show, they had the beams of the four points come together, kind of like a death star beam. Yeah, that's right. And, and blow things up. But that has been to the point where that isn't feasible in a mass produced ship. And so they don't do that in the regular ships and so i could just picture connor going look my ship rolls around me i can shoot with the guns on the right side and oh it's now on the left side of me this is really stupid 
It actually <laughs> it lets you do that. That's one of the yeah. uh, one of the auxiliary powers you can. And like I'm, it, it'll give you like a temporary boost to all your ship systems. But still, I'm like, I don't get the point of this. See, so. what's gonna happen is I remember when you played Squadrons and you messaged Jim and I on Slack and you're like, "This game sucks. It's too hard." And a week later, you're like, I was so wrong. It's amazing. And I'm seeing this happening. Once you figure out the B-Wing, you'll be like, oh, it's, th- it's the best ship in the game. You've got to understand it. Who knows? It, it might. All I know is with the TIE Defender, though, like, I was like, oh, this is my new ship. Like, I, I crushed in this thing. Um, so anyway, this is, uh, uh, this is all to lead into a PSA. Um, if you haven't played Squadrons, everybody, it's on sale for like 20 bucks right now. Um totally worth it especially especially if you host a star wars podcast and your two co-hosts both have it and play it and you haven't played it yet you should get it sorry it's not possible right now (laughs) yeah jj's got cyberpunk it's taken over his life it's true it really has it's it's bad i'm trying really hard to uh, exert self-restraint with how much i'm playing it so my other responsibilities such as this show don't fall to the wayside uh but yeah we you know, we shared our little Star Wars stories. Should we get into the the stuff everyone's here for today? Yeah, boys, buckle in for a six-hour episode because we have a lot to discuss. Well, just like Disney, we're doing four hours of nonstop press release. And when we say nonstop, we're not talking about the intermissions and the random uh, uh-huh. turnaways that you can't see behind the curtain. There's going to be breaks. There's going to be quizzes. There's going to be a random new Hanukkah song debuted by David Diggs. It's going to be great. Was there really? Oh, yeah. there was. That sounded like a joke. It wasn't. There was a... It also, I'm not going to lie to you, it was a banger. Pretty good song. Um, oh. <laughs> I was helping my child with homework at the time, was, so I was, was doing was, d- double duty. <laughs> it, believe me, it was very random. You're like, okay, weird time to debut a Hanukkah rap. But then like halfway through, you're like, yeah, this song kind of bops. Okay. All right. Uh, shall we get into it? All right. So. Yesterday was Disney Investor Day, and they announced a just absurd amount of new projects, like ridiculous. Uh, And it wasn't just for Star Wars, uh, because Disney has clearly got a lot more going on than just Star Wars. But man, I don't understand how they keep track of all this stuff. And it's kind of crazy, because we got 10 new series and films announced actually they said 10 but when you count it up it's 11 is that including the non-star wars stuff like children of Blood no. and bone and indiana jones no. no um i think when they said 10 it didn't it didn't count taika waititi's movie since it didn't have a name well he, here's here's what they said because it, they they were very i think they were particular about their wording so when before they like introduced all the shows, they said we have ten Star Wars series in development, and they we got to find out the titles of I think nine of them. So there's still two or yeah or ten yeah nine of them. So there's still one more that didn't get officially unveiled. No, we have titles for ten of them. So we have uh, Star Wars: A Droid Story, Rogue Star Wars: Rogue Squadron, Lando, Ahsoka. Visions, Rangers of the Republic, Andor, Obi-Wan, 
The Acolyte, and Bad Batch. On the graphic on the screen, technically there was 11. That's 10. Technically there was 11 uh, graphics, but the 11th one is The Mandalorian, which isn't new. I got confused. I thought uh, a droid story was uh, a movie for Disney+. Plus. Hold up, hold up. It is, in fact, a series, though. Uh, Yes. Also, you guys, I can't wait to rant about that because I have thoughts. We're going to go down the list here. Uh, But before we do... Okay. Uh, All right. Hold on. But you're right. They had 10, not including The Mandalorian, but also doesn't include Taika Waititi's movie. Yes. But there's other comments to make about that. Um, I I, I should... We'll get to it in a sec. Um, Before we start breaking down each each announcement here, including Taika, I just kind of want to talk about... um, rewind a little bit here and talk about where we were like barely a year ago with star Wars. So Bob Iger, you know, um, placed a kind of a halt or just a, a big slowdown pumped the brakes on star Wars. They released five movies in four years and, uh, we saw what happened to solo after they didn't wait enough time that's the popular consensus including from Iger himself uh, after the last Jedi there was tons of controversy with uh, the rise of Skywalker because everyone had the feeling that they rushed it and didn't take their time with it and Iger seemed to acknowledge that you know he said uh, a little too much a little too fast we made and released too many films over a short period of time uh, I think there's something so special about a Star Wars film less is more and then this summer by less um, um they 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 read disney has redefined less yeah well and then this summer kathleen kennedy uh she kind of seemed to echo that so that was all last year but as recent as a few months ago you know she said you can't take you can't turn this into some kind of factory approach you can't even do that what marvel does necessarily where you pick characters and build new franchises around the, those characters um, and I feel like the fan base kind of responded to that in what I felt was like mostly agreement. Like, I know I felt that way. Like I want star Wars content, but I don't want content for the sake of content. I want them to take their time and be thoughtful about it. Uh, and I don't think that's unreasonable, but you know, it just, I'm very excited about these announcements and I'm not saying, whatsoever that all oh, these are going to be bad it's too much too soon but it's just crazy to me that like <laughs> the ceo of the company and the head of lucasfilm gave us a very different message as as recently as a few months ago and now the complete opposite is coming from them well i think part of to to give them the the benefit of the doubt because you guys know this i am on the disney corporate payroll i am one of their shills um I, I would assume that they're like, well, we're not do- we're only doing two films. We're just doing a bunch of series. Um, and I wonder, you know, because like we'll get into there uh, a handful of these we already knew about. Um, but it leads me to believe like something like Ahsoka has to have been in the works for a lot longer than we knew. Um, and and same would go, I would say, for the the Acolyte show, which we'll also obviously get into. Um, so I think that's the, the way I'm looking at it is like when they say slow releases, I'm assuming they mean theatrical um, because I, I agree with most people who say like there is something special 
about going to see a Star Wars movie. There's nothing the like it. Yeah, there's there's no other movie experience that is similar. Um even as even as much as I love like big superhero movies and like the Oscar Beatty movies, like I just love movies in general, but there is something about just going to see a Star Wars film and being there with like the collective like it's like going to a sporting event almost. It's 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 awesome. So I think that so I think they're more speaking towards theatrical films. But like I said, that's just me trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I do agree with you. It is a little ironic that they're like, we're going to pump the brakes, but here's first 10 new series. Well, in, in July, they um, announced that the next three feature films, like the theatrical, um, they rescheduled them and pushed them all back a year. So it's now 2023, 2025, 2027. Um, but they also left the timeline open for another possible trilogy. There's, Ryan Johnson, which we haven't heard anything about. Uh, I think that could still happen. I also think it could go the way of the Game of Thrones writers and not happen. Um, Taika Watiti, as Jim noted, we're going to talk more about that. He's slated, I think, for the second slot there, 2025. And I think, um, uh, God, what's her name? Her film's the one I'm most excited about. Patty, Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins. I think she's taking the first slot there, 2023. Uh, she but we definitely really don't is. Know. It's just, um, it's very <laughs> just confusing to me uh, to see the heads of uh, Disney and Star Wars saying one thing and then doing the complete opposite. I think one of the biggest things that you're missing here is what was released about one year ago. The Mandalorian. What was released with that? Clone Wars. The Rise of Skywalker. Disney Plus. Oh, Disney oh, Plus. They yes. had no they had no idea how this would do. And then you have the pandemic where everybody's in lockdown and they see their numbers skyrocket through the roof. And all I their actually looked that up for this conversation today. Yeah, all their hopes and dreams kind of went like we can do a lot more with this than we were initially planning because now we have boatloads of money that we weren't planning on having. And so we could put more money into that because if you'll, I, I had to look it up because I, I didn't listen to the entire um, presentation. They didn't mention one word about the parks as far as I could tell. And so like the parks were their main go-to, but over this last year, they've, like Disneyland's been closed nonstop since March. Disney World has been laying off people left and right because they don't have enough people going there. So they didn't mention the parks at all. They put all their effort into Disney Plus because that's where their their moneymaker is right now. And so I imagine even if the Ahsoka series was on the the we can work this into the the show sort of thing, after seeing how well the Mandalorian is, it's I think the top streaming show of all time um, from uh, reports that I had heard, then you have the gangbusters that Disney plus is doing all of a sudden. It's like, what can you do with that? And he's like, I have ideas. <laughs> That's a really, uh, a really good point. Um, and I actually looked up some of the numbers uh, about Disney plus before the show, uh, because I, I did think that was a factor as well. Yeah, we uh, do research here, people. And they, as of uh, December 2nd, they have 86.8 uh, million subscribers, 
which is pretty wild for something that has been out, uh, what, a little... 13 months. Yeah, 13 months. And um, Apple shared that uh, it's the Apple TV app of the year, and it was the second and third most downloaded free app of the year globally on the iPhone and iPad, uh, excuse me, iPad and iPhone, respectively. Uh, It was also voted the best app of 2020 by Google Play users. So yeah, (laughs) it's doing okay. And on top of that, it's doing so well that Disney has already decided a little uh, over a year after launch to price hike it. And I think, uh, Jim, you nailed it. Like They are investing more into this service, so they're going to need more money to come out of it. And in March, uh, the price is going up a decent amount. I got it for $3 for three years. You ain't hiking my price. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a few people who are like, I don't care. Like, uh, see, and I, I have the, the monthly subscription, but it's 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 a dollar price hike. Um, so, you know, it's going to be an extra 12 bucks a year. But for them, like, that's going to be huge. Um, and I know if, like in terms with 86 of streaming, million people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's and what's funny is um, and this was in the investor presentation. Uh, I wonder if the listeners right now are going to be like, oh, here we go. Big, big Disney investor talk, even though none of us are investors. I but do not during have the- Disney stock. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, Jim is. Jim is an, I'm an uh, Apple shareholder. Guy. And I'm just a corporate shill. We all know this. But um, their goal was to reach 60 to 90 million subscribers by 2023, I believe. And it's 2020, and they're already at 86. Um, and they are outpacing Netflix's growth by like it took Netflix, I think they said close to ten years to get to a hundred million subscribers, and Disney Plus will probably get there by the end of next year after just two years. I don't think that's a fair comparison at all because Netflix was the uh, the the game changer in this all of this, yeah, and so they I, I they kind of just... they they it's just it like just looking at their growth is like this is like insane. If you're going to compare it to something, it would have to be with like Peacock or HBO Max, like a new streaming service that came out around this time. Like, as Jim said, like Netflix was like the first, you know, streaming service. Its growth was as the streaming service was developing. But your point's well received. Um, Are you guys familiar with Disney Plus Hotstar? I saw it on the presentation when I wasn't listening. So it is basically. primarily in service in uh, Asia and Southeast Asia. And it has um, a bunch of different plans. It's a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, India. And as of March 2020, uh, it has 300 million active users. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. they. I'm looking at the launch rollout and uh, there's a lot of countries now that they have gotten to and they're adding a huge um, group in February in 2021. Um, So I I think you really hit the nail on the head, Jim. Like they are going to invest. I think this is going to be far more profitable for them. Uh, I don't think it's a question actually uh, than the parks and probably anything else that they are owning and operating. I think this is probably going to become their biggest cash cow. Especially after this, like even once things start opening up back again, more than there already are, people aren't going to be traveling as much as they did. It's going to take a while before the public is comfortable to go to the parks. And that was their major cash cow 
uh, for good reason. I love the parks. I, 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 I've gone almost every single year for years now, uh, since I had money and I'm an adult. Um, but you're right. They, they got to switch their bases and they're kind of going with the flow of where things is, where things is, where things um, is. <laughs> and I was just looking up at Netflix. It says here has 195 million page subscribers. Um, Disney plus is catching up on that really quick. Um, and Netflix is a lot more expensive than Disney plus. So even with that dollar increase, Netflix is also increasing their, uh, their subscription by a dollar this month. It's, it's the new cable wars, basically it's indeed Disney plus is still the cheapest streaming service by still like, even with the price hike by like a couple bucks. Well, and on top of that, uh, because they own, um, Hulu, you can get, Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus for like I think thirteen or fourteen dollars for for less than the subscription to HBO Max. Yeah, so it's uh, it's quickly <laughs> it's quickly like monopolizing the market uh, and eating into the um, you know, the user base of these other big streaming services. I think yes. a, a lot of these other companies are, are probably pretty worried right now. The yeah, anarchist, CD- the the anarchist in me is like, this is terrible. We shouldn't let one corporation own this much. But the fanboy in me is like, yay! <laughs> They're yes. gonna make more money and make more of the stuff I like. Yeah. So CBS all <laughs> the CBS all access to answer your question before um, with commercials is five ninety nine. So that's cheaper than Disney Plus, okay. not than I paid. Um, but the general monthly subscription is it, that is cheaper. But again, you don't get commercials on Disney Plus yet all right uh so now that we've kind of waxed about disney plus and its uh market share and subscriber count uh let's talk about the actual announcements themselves so right off the bat this one is going to shock all of you but the mandalorian is getting a third season which was already confirmed before this announcement i believe and it's actively filming right now yeah uh so yeah that we've said this i think like three or four times on this show now it's easily like the best thing disney has created uh and i think this really opened their eyes to uh what live action star wars tv series has the potential to do for them and looking at the other announcements i think they realize that a little bit maybe so not much to say there uh, the next one up is another one that is not a surprise uh, but they did give us a little more detail on the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Uh, so this is supposedly going to be, uh, originally it was said, I believe, four episodes long. Is that correct? It was something like that. I don't remember. They did mention it. I don't remember what it was. It was a limited series, though. Uh, yeah, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, so this is going to be set 10 years after um, Reven- Revenge of the Sith. It's releasing in 2022. And Connor, do you want to tell folks the one big piece of news that came with this announcement that we were not aware of until yesterday? Uh, yeah, uh, the uh, uh, distant cousin of mine shares the same last name. Hayden Christensen is uh, coming back as Darth Vader. And here's the thing. I love that they specified he's coming back as Darth Vader. He's not returning as Anakin Skywalker, so this isn't going to be a flashback. He is Darth Vader. Um, <clears throat> now... I don't know about you guys, I'm simultaneously excited and a little uh, annoyed, I guess would be the word by this, because I'm excited because it's like, well, that's going to be cool, like, more Darth Vader 
in Star Wars is always good. But also, it's like, oh, but if we're going to have Obi... And I think they said, like, Obi-Wan and Darth Vader are going to face off again. It's like, oh, that kind of takes away the impact of their duel in A New Hope. Did they say that? I don't remember. I I guess I didn't hear that, that part of the entire... Yeah, I, I, uh, I missed that uh, as well. Yeah, they, and, and I can't tell if, if that is like just marketing jargon or if they're literally saying like no they're gonna fight again so i don't i don't know yeah i i think uh you know it's it might be true from a certain point of view connor mm. um face like they're gonna face off could mean a lot of things to me and uh them fighting with lightsabers i really don't think is going to happen it, like it would be cool because it's like oh you know because with like just the advancements in technology like and and how cool lightsaber fights have become in the films. It would be cool to see just because they're fun to watch. But from just, you know, a canonical impact point of view, it's like, ah, oh, but I don't want to see them face off before A New Hope. Like, part of the, the part of what makes their, their duel in um, Revenge of the Sith so, so crazy and so powerful is that you know it's the last time they see each other before Darth Vader kills Obi-Wan at the Death Star. So that's why I, I'm excited by this and I'm excited. He to see also what they do. says when last we met. And so it, yeah, it, yeah. last we met 10 years ago on that, that dirt ball planet that I found you hiding on. I was the student <laughs> and you were the master. Yeah I, yeah. I really don't think that they're going to, I, I, I I'm going to give them credit on this one. I don't think they're going to mess with canon like that. Um, I think it'll have some, you know, important, memorable, uh, really like, you know, emotional attachment to it. Um, Probably something through the force if I had to guess, but I really don't think we're going to see them squaring off. Um, And also a little correction from something we we joked about last week. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi will be filming in Boston. Boston, uh, the United Kingdom, which is a suburb of London. <laughs> so all of us who are like, why are they filming in Boston? That's dumb. Turns out they're not. Well, they I mean, they, they are. It's just not our Boston. So did they really? I didn't even catch that because it wasn't just us. It was the entire internet. Oh, yeah, it was the entire internet. But um, no, they, they very quickly clarified on their um, production schedule that they're filming in Boston, London, in the United Kingdom. So... Um, so that's kind of sad. No, no, no wicked smart background actors. And that's enough of my Boston accent. So, uh, yeah, a a few other quick details. Uh, you know, this isn't new news, but in April, they announced a new writer, um, was hired for the series. Uh, his name was, what the heck was his name? Joby Harold. And then we are familiar with the director, who I'm very excited about, Deborah Chow. Uh, so she has done some Mandalorian episodes that were all excellent, and I have zero doubt that she's going to kill this. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. Very excited. I'm actually kind of sad that she didn't come back for the Mandalorian because they aren't. They said that she wasn't coming back because of the Obi Wan Kenobi series, but with the pandemic that got pushed off and the new writers made it get pushed off. So she could have come back and done like a quick episode. Like, like they might've already had, you know, commitment. They probably, they probably did, but it was, it's one of those, like, I wish she had come back. Hey, well, uh, we're going to get her, see her on her own project, which I'm sure she's happier about, you know? All right. Uh, moving on. Oh man. This is the one that, um, 
I was arguably the most excited about uh, when we saw these guys this year in Clone Wars. I think all of us were like, these dudes need to survive Order 66. They need to get their own show. And that's exactly what happened. The Bad Batch are getting their own series. Uh, I cannot wait for this. They were one of the best arcs of the final season of Clone Wars. If you're not familiar with them, uh, they were introduced by, you might know him, Mr. Dave Filoni. Uh, they are a group of clone clones that are a bad batch. They didn't come out looking like uh, a typical clone trooper. They Some of them had physical uh, defects or enhancements, if you will. Uh, they all kind of have their own unique style, sharpshooter, tech guy, a big brawny, muscly dude. One dude is really good with knives. And I believe they adopted Echo into their unit, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Who you'll know from the Clone Wars series. So these guys were just a delight. One of the best parts of uh, the last season of Clone Wars. And we actually got a trailer for this show. I believe it's the only full trailer that we got. Is that right? Mm-hmm. The only, the only like trailer that was legitimately footage from the project put together because it's ready to, it's the closest to being ready for release. And it's the only, like the only show scheduled for release next year, um, minus probably Mandalorian season three, uh, but the only of the the other projects. So I would imagine that this is going to be not overlap with the Mandalorian. It'll probably be closer to sooner than later correct yeah i would just i would i would assume we're gonna get the bad batch sometime in the spring is what like i would guess um just based on when it was announced plus like you know how they already gave us a full trailer um and there's nothing else coming out um i can't imagine they're gonna you know hold off there i I can't imagine they're gonna announce all these things and then hold off on all star wars content until the next season of the mandalorian so i was i'm and this is just pure speculation i just you know i'm guessing that we see it in the spring yeah there's also a lot of marvel stuff coming up in the short term so disney plus isn't pushing this out i assume as quickly as it yeah. could be because they've got wandavision coming out in january so i'm sure they don't want to compete with that yeah um so jennifer um Corbett, I'm not familiar with her work, but I believe she's co-writing this with Dave Filoni, which is cool. Um, so from the trailer, my immediate question was like, when is this happening? And it looks like it's post Clone War, um, you know, post uh, Revenge of the Sith, because we see Palpatine's announcement. They took the audio from Revenge of the Sith where he announces that the Republic will be organized, reorganized into the first galactic empire. Uh, and as the trailer's going, I think we see them start, start to like, they're working with the empire. And then I got the impression that by the end of the trailer, they're very much not working with the empire. They're actively against it. I wondered that as well. And yeah, I think, I think we're going to get another series that overlaps with revenge of the Sith because that footage of Palpatine giving the the speech that wasn't seen in the Clone Wars, right? Like that when they were overlapping, that's a hundred percent new stuff. So we're definitely going to get at least the beginning part 
probably Order 66. We're probably going to get another view of Order 66 with these clones, especially since we know they're clones and we know the chip. We know all this history. We're going to get their perspective on it. Yeah, it's going to um, it's gonna be interesting. I, I, you know, we were all excited about this show. And the, the it's weird. The, the animated trailers never get me as excited as, like, the trailers for the live action stuff it do. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, this, the, 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 it was good. They clarified the timeline. Um, and you know, just another, another perspective on order 66, <laughs> um, which like, what is this going to be the, now the third iteration of it we've seen? I don't think we're going to, I mean, we're going to get another perspective, but I have a feeling that that's just going to kick things off. And then the rest of the series is going to be about them adapting to the empire. And then I have a feeling that we're going to see them join the, the rebellion. That's just my personal take, but that's what I got out of the trailer. And I would be good with that. I wouldn't, I would very much enjoy that. All right. Uh, next up and, or, so we didn't get a, uh, a proper trailer for this, but we did get like kind of a, like behind the scenes, uh, like you know, sizzler reel, like primer to get us excited about it. Uh, we've known about this for a while. Uh, we now know that filming has confirmed to have been started. Uh, it's releasing in 2022. It has official name, official logo. Uh, yeah, I mean, not too much to say about this. It's a spy thriller. Uh, Diego Luna, who's awesome, is reprising his role as Cassian Andor from Rogue One. Uh, and they've got like a really good cast announced. Um, Genevieve O'Reilly, who played Mon Mothma in Rogue One, uh, uh, yeah, Rogue One is going to be back. And production... she also played in the behind the scenes on Revenge of the Sith, um, or not behind the scenes, the uh, the cut the cut uh, scenes. Yes, um, she was uh, Mon Mothma in those as well. Uh, and production kicked off three weeks ago in London, so it's going. Uh, from the kind of teaser sizzler reel they showed us it looks like they're taking this pretty seriously yeah yeah 12 episodes too yeah i liked the um like you're right since they started filming three weeks ago we weren't going to get new footage but we got a lot of the concept art um that they kind of animated a little bit so that that was uh that was pretty cool um and i love the new logo very stars star warsy it was weird but i was just like Man, I'm hyped on that logo. Like, I know it's just the logo, but that logo is sweet. Um, one thing that they didn't they they talked about the cast, and um, I I had to double check this after after the presentation finished to make sure. But they didn't they didn't talk about Alan Tudyk um, returning as K two. But it was confirmed like months ago that he was coming back as K two. So I think it's a little weird that they they left that out. I wonder if things have changed. Um, but either way, like when I think we touched on this last week, but just to reiterate, like I am unbelievably excited for this show. Um and the the little concept art teasers they showed looked awesome. Um and I didn't realize how much um Diego Luna had to do with this series. Like obviously I knew he was starring in it, but based on the Sizreal, like at first I didn't know he was one of the producers, so I didn't know he was like lit like literally invested in the movie. But it seems like for him, like this is very much like a passion project for him. And I know like a lot of creators go into Star Wars with that mindset. Um, but it was just kind of cool to see like, oh, like I didn't I just didn't realize Diego Luna was this uh you know, this engaged with the franchise and engaged with the character. So uh, I'm insanely excited about this. I can't wait to to hear more. I'm glad we finally got some concrete information about it. 
um, and 2022 is way too far away. <laughs> he is, uh, I believe, a like lifelong diehard Star Wars fan, so I can only imagine his passion for this project. Yeah, and, and, and him talking about how... Sorry, I muted myself on accident for a second. Um, him talking about how it was bittersweet doing Rogue One because he was so happy to be a part of the franchise, but he knew it was only going to be a one-movie one thing and being able to to have the opportunity to do it again. It just, it, it was really, really cool to see him, like, I don't know, share that. And, and I'm excited. I'm excited for him, and I don't even know the guy. Um, so it's, it's I'm this is probably the series I'm most excited for. Um, I think it's going to be very rad. Yeah, I love the seedy underbelly of um, the Rebel the galaxy. Alliance. And <laughs> yeah, the, well, the, the, the beginnings of the Alliance and the Galaxy like this type of character for me represents that uh, it's not strictly good guys and bad guys. And I think rogue one really touched on that. Like there's a lot of bad things that happen on both sides in war. Uh, and I like how like they really tapped into that with rogue one and Diego Luna's character. And I hope that we explore more of that. I'm not saying I want to see him go around doing like horrible things, but I do want them to show like more of like, what you know the true aspect of war is regardless of who's identified as like the good guys and the bad guys and just the whole espionage and spy happening uh during you know, in, in star wars is just so interesting and exciting to me and as well as like the beginning periods of the rebellion we've only really seen that in uh rebels you know we haven't gotten that content outside of like the books it's never been really in live action well, in speaking of the spy nature of the show, and, and this was uh, revealed previously, not in the presentation, but um, it's being sh- uh, the showrunner is the I can't remember his name, but it's the guy who did uh, the Americans on FX, which is like people always talk about as like an incredible TV show, like a, a fantastic spy thriller. So like they are very much leaning into like we're making a Star Wars spy thriller series, um, and I couldn't be more excited. All right. Uh, so next we have Ahsoka. Uh, so this is releasing in 2022. Rosario Dawson will star, uh, and it will take place concurrently with the Mandalorian. Uh, so we spoke about Rosario Dawson's role in star Wars and, um, the controversy surrounding that, um, two episodes ago now. So we're not going to rehash that. If you'd like to know our thoughts on it, Two episodes back, you'll find it around, I think, the 46-minute mark. Uh, so clearly, Disney has big plans for this character. Uh, hope I'm hoping that this means we're going to get uh, Sabine Wren and Thrawn or Ezra. Any of those three characters in live action would make me and a lot of other people really happy. Yeah, the only thing is I feel like... <laughs> Um, and we, we know Filoni loves to do this. I feel like those dangling plot threads we got from the Jedi episode of the Mandalorian, I feel like those plot threads aren't going to be picked up until this series. (laughs) So I I guarantee it a hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I don't think we're not going to see Ahsoka again in the Mandalorian. We're not going to see anything about Thrawn. We're definitely not seeing Sabine or Etra or anything new. Um, because, I think they were very much setting up the Ahsoka show in that episode. And uh, don't be wrong. I'm still very excited, but uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like um, we're not going to hear from Ahsoka in universe, in universe until the show. Um, 
but it's I mean nonetheless it's super exciting and it's 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 I know this is like the first uh of new announcements they went over but it's also probably the least surprising cuz it's like well yeah like this is what we all wanted it was her live action debut was very well received so it's it's kind of like a no brainer take the easy win disney way to go so i find it interesting like they did mention that this along with the other um mandalorian spin-off show uh rangers of the new republic which we'll talk about next um both had happened concurrently with the mandalorian and will culminate in a climactic story event similar sounds like to the marvel's defenders series where they had a uh, luke cage and um daredevil and all the other uh all those others kind of culminated in its own thing so it sounds like we will get the mandalorian back with ahsoka but it won't be until this um climactic story event and um i also did notice that uh there was some confusion about when this ahsoka's uh part in the uh, epilogue of rebels takes place in relation to this people were commenting that perhaps this takes place the mandalorian of ahsoka takes place before the rebel before she goes and gets sabine because there's no set time frame even though we do have a set time frame with hera and jason that doesn't mean that it's the same time frame as ahsoka and sabine so perhaps that could be after this episode uh which would help with her um lake you things not being long enough but then again they also explained that as it's more of a stunt thing than a storyline no i i actually i hadn't thought of that um because you're right they, ne- they like that is, in that epilogue it's never specifically specified how long it's been since the war ended um either way though i do think the chances of us seeing sabine in the ahsoka show are really high um and I, I think, think it's a, about a hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's as close to like it, because I mean, it would just be too much of a missed opportunity, and also it's like, well, no. It also. I mean, like it. It wouldn't make sense if she wasn't in it. Like she kind of has to be because what we know of where we left off with Ahsoka is that she's trying to find Etra, and then to drop in the the her live action debut that she's after Thrawn, who we know is with Ezra, it would be, it would just wouldn't make sense if they didn't introduce Sabine, who we also know is after Ezra. So um, either way, I, I mean, you know, it's going to be awesome. And it, uh, uh, I don't know if we mentioned it, Dave Filoni's uh, writing this. I don't know if he's show running it, um, but they he's said executive Dave, producing with uh, Favreau. Yeah. Tim, basically they, they, Gave uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau the uh, the keys to a, a a vehicle within Star Wars because they will now be carte blanche. S- yeah, they they now will be doing three different series for for Star Wars. So um, and the next one is Rangers of the Republic, which is again same timeline as the Mandalorian, uh, executive produced by Favreau and Filoni, and intersects with as jim said uh future stories that culminate in a climatic story event so it's pretty clear that it's gonna be um ahsoka mando and a few people from this timeline in that show like maybe boba fett maybe fennec um maybe um the marshal there uh cobb vanth yeah cobb vanth who knows 
So uh, I would ass- I would assume the Rangers of the New Republic are specifically referencing the X-wing pilots that we saw. Yes, yeah. Uh, I'm just guessing that they're going to get tangled up with like a bunch of these other characters. I should have said that first. It's actually about X-wing pilots, which makes me wonder: like, is Filoni gonna star? That's God. what. <laughs> God, I <laughs> he hope not. He hasn't actually said anything in the Mandalorian. I don't think. Like both of his appearances. Have he hasn't? Oh no, he did say something he did in, in the, the first one. Yeah, in the first one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the because the other the other actor who I actually liked, despite Connor's um, I was dislike, gonna say I, I. You guys know my. I hope neither one of them are the stars of this of this show. But uh, yeah, no, I uh, I think this one is the weakest of these shows, but that doesn't mean it's going to be bad. It's just I feel like they're um what they have to work with isn't as strong as some of the other stuff. So they got, they're going to have to put a lot in there. It's, it's the only one and I'm excited. I mean, it's, I look, I'm excited for all these. They're all star Wars, but it was the only one that my response was, huh? Okay. You know, like I, I, uh, why, but, but all right. Um, it could be cool because, you know, we haven't really seen aside from star Wars squadrons, we haven't really seen what the New Republic's operations looked like. Um, for the most part, that era has been kind of untouched so far. So it'll be cool to see, because, you know, obviously in The Mandalorian, we, we see the the areas of the galaxy that the New Republic hasn't really gotten to yet. Um, so it'll be cool to see, like, how the New Republic is ruling and patrolling the galaxy. But, you know, it's just not necessarily something I cared that much to see. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know... It'll be nice to see that 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 aspect. We have seen how the New Republic is able to withstand giant lasers. Not very effectively. No. That's true. Not, not well. All right. Moving down the line here, we have the Acolyte. <laughs> and this is our High Republic plug. Yes. Here it is. Every episode. I'm actually so stoked for this. Um, I've been wanting... Something. So this is the the um the show that was technically the title wasn't announced, but we've known the show was happening for a while because it was announced. Uh, I think earlier this year, maybe last year, that Leslie Headland, who uh, created Russian Doll for Netflix, that she was going to be uh, creating her own show for Star Wars. Um, but now we have the official title and synopsis. It's called The Acolyte. It will be focused on the uh, High Republic and shadowy secrets of emerging dark side powers. And I have wanted a Sith-focused Star Wars uh, experience for a while. Um, I think that's that's just a way to, to do something really, really cool. So the fact that we're finally getting something that is 100% focused on the dark side, I am super excited for. And it's in the High Republic era. We've been clamoring for more, you know, like prequels, past the prequels content. Um, and this is it. So I think it's really, really cool, and it's cool that they're tying it into the publishing initiatives. Um, very, very excited for this. I'm very curious uh, what this is going to look like. You know, it says, explore shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers during the final days of the High Republic, which makes me think of Darth Plagueis or uh, his master before him, possibly. Uh, but it also makes me wonder if this really is about the dark side. How far will a dark side show be able to take things on Disney Plus? The the highest rating a Disney uh, show or film has ever got is PG thirteen. So when you have people that are um, 
just ruthless killers um, that will do anything to achieve their goals. If that's really what this is about, how far can they take that? Uh, so I'm, I'm very curious because uh, this is going backwards uh, before the Sky, uh, Skywalker saga, which is very interesting to me. I'm a big Old Republic fan. This is the High Republic, whatever. I still think it's a cool uh, time period to explore, but I'm very curious uh, what something like that would look like on Disney Plus if it really is about you know dark side users. Well, and speaking to the the like, how far will the the we see these characters go um, based on like you know what Disney will allow them to get away with? Um, let's not forget all the Star Wars films are on Disney Plus, which include. Uh, Captain Phasma uh, ordering a squad of stormtroopers to slaughter a village. Uh, Anakin Skywalker killing a bunch of kids. And uh, being roasted on being, a open fire. <laughs> being burned alive. Um, the Mandalorian at one point cuts a man in half using a door. Yeah, but that's just good old-fashioned clean fun. you know, Balanced <laughs> out throughout an episode that's not all that stuff. So I think it's just... We'll see some some seediness, some some darkness. Yeah, you also have all the X Men movies up on Disney Plus now, which some of them like gear towards the darker PG thirteen um, elements. And PG thirteen is a very wide ranging uh, uh, category. So as lo- as long as there's no blatant nudity and uh, um, you keep the blood down and the swears down, you're usually pretty good. Well, that's the the best part about. Um about using a lightsaber is it you know it cuts with heat so it immediately cauterizes any wound that you don't have blood <laughs> so you can have people hacking off limbs you never have to worry about blood um but yeah i i am very very excited for this show uh i think it's really cool that they're that they're going to an era that is a hundred percent not explored in the film uh in the film universe so i think this is going to be this has a lot of of uh potential to be something really really special yeah and speaking of things that disney said and then went back on they also said for the high republic series that they had quote no plans for a tv show at this time now they do (laughs) (laughs) yeah i also thought of that too i'm like man they have that is twice now that they've the the two main points they made in that high republic reveal was one no characters that are have been in films they walked that back when they're like, oh, just kidding, Yoda's in it. And then they were like, only publishing, no movies planned, nothing whatsoever. Just kidding, we're doing a TV show. But don't worry, I'm very excited for both of those things. And I like I, I've said a couple times now, is this I this show I'm still the the Andor show, like I said earlier, is the one I'm most excited about, but this one's a very close second. I think this could be really, really cool. So uh, next we have Lando. What I'm most excited about. So this, I mean, I think the biggest question for everyone here is, is Donald Glover coming back? Uh, Because outside of Billy D, he is the perfect encapsulation of that character. His performance in, in Solo is the best performance in the film and one of the best performances under the Disney umbrella. He was amazing as the character. And it's hard for me to picture Billy D coming back and doing like a series. So I feel like it has to be about a younger Lando and you got to get Donald Glover back. But there's no confirmation, which is the scariest thing about this. 
that's the, the most interesting thing they did. So I'm going to go over to what the the overall presentation. Um, they frequently would pull away to these looked like um, little video screens with a countdown clock during the presentation. And everybody kind of assumed that they were showing somebody footage that the rest of us weren't able to see. It's kind of like if we were at Celebration, they would show us the footage, but not the vast majority of the people out there that were watching it streaming. But that doesn't really make any sense. One, I'm a shareholder. I didn't have any access to this. Two, shareholders, especially if this was just for the high ticket shareholders, they care about the money. They this is not. They don't care about the the um, Lando uh, teaser trailer. Like I'm sure some of them are Star Wars fans, but that's not why they're here. They want to know what can make the money. That is the entire point of the shareholder thing. Um, whereas, like, if you showed it to the vast public, they would be the ones getting all excited, and then you'd like really like build up your 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 profit margin. And so it seems like a very weird, like, what were they doing during this time thing? And also, I've seen no evidence that there was anything released outside of what we've already seen. Everything that they showed during the presentation, minus the Patty Jenkins. Um, teaser which wasn't really a teaser it was just more of her talking about uh her history with um uh fighter pilots um everything besides that we saw it during the presentation and so why would uh, i would assume if it was leaked out to some people it would get leaked out to the mass audiences at some point or at least we'd hear about it my my guess is it had to have had something massive in it you know, we, we don't even know that it there really is new footage, though, right? Like this is all conjecture. That what they had said was he had put together a like uh, it was like a, a, a for lack of a better term, I think he, they they framed it like this is like w- like what he's envisioning, like he's drawing, like this is his like uh blueprint, not necessarily like concept art or anything like that, but like here's like to give you a sense of the style he's after. So they might not have shown it because I th- it might have also been really, really boring. <laughs> like, just to be like, yeah, great. Like, that's this is what he's looking for aesthetically. Um, but one thing they that they did show that leads me to believe this will be a Young Lando series is when they, when they introduced the show, they did have a, a photo of the Millennium Falcon right before they introduced the Lando logo. And the photo of the Falcon they used was the, the the young Lando edition of the Falcon when it still has the uh, skate pod on the front and it still has like the white and blue color scheme. So that is the only real tangible hint that they gave that this will be a young Lando show. And the only reason I could think of Donald Glover not returning is simply because he doesn't have the time to do it. Um, you know, he's, everyone knows that he's, he's obviously a very, very successful musician. Um, but he also, he writes and directs and produces a lot of stuff. He does, uh, Atlanta, which if you haven't watched Atlanta is amazing. Um, but I remember he was supposed to do a Deadpool cartoon for FX that he ended up dropping out of because he said, I just don't have time. Um, and same goes for the newest season of Atlanta hasn't come out because he has said, like, I'm just very busy. So that's my biggest worry about them not announcing him is it might just simply come down to he doesn't have the time to do it. And that would suck. I don't think they would recast him, though. I, I seriously don't like as unless they were picking a different time frame, 
like between the OT and the sequel trilogy where Billy is too old at this point to really play that part unless they were going there. If they were doing it before the OT, they would have to use Donald Glover. And I would also say that he is a big enough star and has a star power that you work around his schedule. Like if he says, oh, I don't have time, you you go back and you say, that's fine. We'll wait until you do. Because he's that big and he's that good as Lando that I like it. It, it, uh, it's almost like you have to, you just have to get him back. You can't, you can't recast it. Um, I'm not, I'm not familiar with the director's work, but it was critically acclaimed, uh, dear white people. I'm not sure if the, la- his first name is Justin. I'm not sure if the last name is, um, is it Simeon? Looks like, it looks like Simeon. Simeon, Justin Simeon. Yeah. Um, but everybody is saying he's done some incredible work. So whatever happens with that, um, I look forward to it eagerly. I just hope it's the solo sequel we want. We'll see. <laughs> That's all I want. Bring back and bring back all the nine Rikers solo. The guy deserves another go at it. Uh, so next up was Visions. No real information beyond it's going to be a collection of digital shorts created by various Japanese anime studios. Uh, I think that's awesome. Another art form uh, taking on Star Wars. I've seen like uh, I forget who made it, but there's a pretty famous fan made uh, anime battle. That's like TIE fighters and X-Wing ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look, if you Google it, you'll quickly find it. And it's awesome. Uh, so fans made that. Thinking about like something that's officially licensed is very exciting to me. But yeah, no real info there to discuss beyond that. Yeah, they also, um, it sounds very similar to the Galactic Adventures uh, shorts that they did, which was kind of a reimagining of the movies uh, through animation where um, you could, the, the characters can kind of let loose when they weren't able to in the movies. Like you have the Vader Obi-Wan fight in a new hope where they're not old men with sticks that break easily. Um, and you have the more acrobatic uh, intro- acrobatics introduced into that. Um, yeah, this is, this is the one that I, that I don't not super excited for. Um, I've, I've tried to get into anime Um and usually for narrative purposes, I couldn't get into anime because anime is just usually very, uh, uh, very out there. Um, but then, like, so I've tried to get into Western style narratives that use anime animation. Uh, Batman Ninja being like the prime example. Um, and I've realized, I'm like, yeah, I just don't think I like anime like the style that much. Um, but you know, it's Star Wars, so I'll check it out. Next, we had a droid story. So uh, this is going to be an intersection of, they said, animation and visual effects. It's going to involve industrial light and magic, uh, Lucasfilm's visual effects teams, Lucasfilm animation. So it sounds like it's going to be um, several different styles used throughout um, this series. It's going to follow uh, R2-D2, C-3PO, and a new hero uh, droid that we haven't been introduced to yet and it's um, a special star wars adventure which is a very weird way of introducing anything like is that a sound it sounds like a video game really it's, it sounds like the galaxy's edge video game um, more than it does a tv show yeah a c3po led star wars series is my worst nightmare <laughs> like I can't think of anything I want less than a 3PO-led Star Wars series, and I hate the fact I'm going to watch this, and I'm going to have to watch it for this podcast, 
but like, God, I, I, just, ugh, I hate, I, I just can't stand C three PO. We've never it, heard that from you before. I know it's a, it's a well kept secret, right? I've never talked about this, but it was funny. Nick, uh, Nick messaged me on Discord, and he was like. I can't imagine how unexcited you are for this series. And I was like, yeah, this is like, I'd ra- I'd honestly rather get a Jar Jar series than this. Like, no thanks. Hard path. I'm all for Jar Jar. Yeah, give me a Jar Jar series. Fine. At least it'll be somewhat entertaining. This will just be C-3PO complaining for eight episodes because that's all he does and he sucks. All right. Uh, so our last two announcements. Um, I am, this is definitely at the top of my list. Rogue Squadron with Patty jenkins directing it uh so rogue squadron is my favorite star wars game some of my favorite books from legends some of my favorite characters from over the years um there's so much legends uh content with rogue squadron and very little to nothing uh in canon now uh and i just love from you know um return of the jedi the empire strikes back uh, all, all the films like any dogfight sequences with x-wings i love uh at force awakens one of my favorite parts is when the resistance arrives and we see you know poe leading the x-wing pilots in uh so this is super exciting to me and it's also uh the first official uh the first woman who's directing a feature film for disney uh about star wars so that it's i mean i don't, I don't think you could have picked a better person than patty jenkins now she's been frequently on the um the wish list of fans who go like you don't have enough um, people of color. You don't have enough women. How about Patty Jenkins? She's a big name director. She does like wonder woman uh, made over 800 million. I believe like you can't get a better person if you're trying to open up the uh, diversity slate for directors. And they apparently went, you are right. We need Patty in this. And uh, I, I'm, I couldn't be more thrilled. Um, and when they were introducing it, they gave serious vibes. They didn't say it outright, but they gave serious vibes that this is going to be after the rise of Skywalker with their, um, their comment of we'll move the saga into the future era of the galaxy and also include an entire new generation of starfighter pilots. And that to me says, this is the first thing we're getting post um, rise of Skywalker. This is uh, what they're going to use this to build off of in the future. We'll find out in three years. Uh, it arrives uh, Christmas, twenty twenty three. And and again to that to that point, Jim, I that's another one where I, I was like, I can't tell if that's marketing jargon, and they mean like a future generation of star pilots to mean like, as in like a generation of new actors to take on t- these roles, or a new generation of characters, or if they literally meant like, no, like we're we're getting into like the future star. I, I don't know. It, I think it would be a little weird for them to call it Rogue Squadron and then not use the Rogue Squadron. Who like Rogue Squadron is canon um, because Luke Skywalker explains in um, the Kieran Gillen run of Star Wars that that they've they've used the Rogue Monitor and or Monic, sorry Rogue Moniker. So Rogue Squadron, the Luke Skywalker led Rogue Squadron is in canon now. So it'd be a little weird if they call this Rogue Squadron and then don't base it on the uh, actual rogue squadron but this is regardless this is such a good idea and such a perfect fit um as patty jenkins explained in that little teaser video she shared on twitter um her father was a fighter pilot she grew up around fighter pilots she's always wanted to make a fighter pilot movie and she's also a, apparently a diehard star wars fan i didn't know that um and you know 
dogfighting and 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 the fighter pilot aesthetic is absolutely integral to Star Wars. Um, David Brooke and I were talking about this on the the AIP Discord. Join for two dollars a month, please. Um, that like you Star Wars is is like was inspired by World War II dogfighting films or footage. That's how George Lucas he cut together how they were going to make the Death Star sequence work using World War II dogfighting uh like real footage. So it's only fitting that that to move the franchise forward they're like really going back to one of the core tenets of Star Wars which is fighter pilots. Um and if the success of Squadrons is any indication fans love that aspect of Star Wars. It's one of the coolest aspects of Star Wars. So I I I think this is just such a perfect fit. Um, and obviously, Patty Jenkins is an incredible director. Um, it's just this. This was a very surprising, but very, very exciting announcement. Yeah, um, I mean, it represents a big change for Disney and for Star Wars. Uh, as I said, she's the first woman to direct a feature film uh, for Star Wars. Uh, then we have Taika Waititi, who they didn't tell us much about besides the fact that he's working on it. But you know, he's the first person of color uh, to direct. A Star Wars feature film. Uh, the Acolyte and The Bad Batch will be co-written or run by women. Um, Lando and Kenobi are either written or directed by people of color. So, um, you know, Disney has gotten a lot of criticism and Star Wars as well. Uh, and rightfully for, so. Yeah, for all of their projects being uh, either written or directed by uh, white guys. So it's it's nice to see all of these projects um, announced, of course, but it's even nicer to see them open up the creative team um, to people outside of uh, the white male mold. I was going to say for the Taika Waititi film, on top of Taika directing, um, Christy Wilson Cairns, who wrote 1917, is uh, co-writing that film alongside uh, Taika Waititi. So. Um, they're like, just to reiterate, like leaning into like, no, we're going to like, we're really making an effort to make the, the behind the scenes cast more diverse here. Hmm. Uh, since we uh, already mentioned Taika's film, I'm really excited for this. Um, they basically showed us two things. Um, one was a font of the word Star Wars written like it was Monty Python on the Holy Grail. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Um, and I don't know if that has anything to do with the, what direction they're taking or this was just a fun thing because we literally know nothing. And then they showed a picture um, which had a very Old Republic Rakatan technology type vibe to it with a, like a, a silver triangle ship and a star star field in the back. And I, I got a very Old Republic vibe um, from that. But again, it nothing we know nothing that couldn't have that could have not even been related to what they're working on um we just they <laughs> they just confirmed or reconfirmed that it is still happening but exactly <laughs> Catherine, Catherine, or kathleen kennedy made it seem like the way she was like tyke is working on it now and tyke is gonna bring his flair to it that gave me the feeling that like they're kind of just gonna let tyke do his thing like which i like great like he took the thor franchise which was Honestly, like, the obvious weak link of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he made it suddenly the 
one of the more successful aspects of Marvel. Um, so My wife I, disagrees with you on that, just so you know. Really? See, because I, I thought Thor – I can watch Thor Ragnarok endlessly. I love that movie. But, no, um, but that, that was the weakest of the, oh, the, the movies. Okay. She, she, she was all there for Thor. That's awesome. Um, but I – so if they give – if that's their plans, like, hey, we're kind of just going to give Taika the reins to do whatever he wants with this – I can't wait to see what he does. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Yeah, so uh, that's a lot of projects. <laughs> <laughs> but I think besides what I kind of opened this discussion with about um, how they said one thing and then did the opposite, I think what sticks out to me the most about all of this is, um, Jim, you touched on it a little bit with Squadrons maybe. We don't know for sure, but it sounds like it may be the first thing that's coming out post... Rogue Squadron. Yes, Rogue Squadron, excuse me. uh, Post uh, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, You know, Kennedy last year told some... During some interview or whatever that they're not going to abandon the sequel trilogy's characters, but nobody. Ray, Finn, Poe, Rose, Lando's daughter. I'm not sure if she was ever actually confirmed. Um, all these characters from both sides, Carrie Russell's character, uh, you know, there's, there's countless characters. The point is none of them. There's 10 projects announced and none of the sequel trilogy characters are involved. I think that they're really afraid to touch that. I think they don't know what to do with it. Uh, what do you guys think? I think you're absolutely right. And it's, it's definitely a little surprising that, there are no no sequel trilogy characters whatsoever um and based with how they've said that like the how they've kind of acknowledged the mistakes they made i wonder if they that is a conscious thing of like you know what maybe we should step away from it um and it's more it, it's similar in the vein of how they've pretty much avoided any prequel era content i think they're like you know this is the more controversial side of star wars and and we want to avoid that and i think they're so they're just stepping away from it what do you mean um, avoiding prequel con? I mean, we, we well, just got more of it. But it, look how long it took us to get there. You know, they 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 didn't really. There were really no games in the prequel prequel trilogy uh, era. We got the Clone Wars, obviously, but um, it seemed like for a while that they were kind of like you know avoiding it and kind of avoiding mentioning it. So I think they're they're taking a similar approach with the sequel trilogy, where they're just going to kind of let it let it simmer down for a bit and let the the controversy around it simmer down and maybe see if people's uh, attitudes towards it change over time, which unfortunately you guys know, I like the sequel trilogy, but I, I do think that the opinion of the sequel trilogy is just going to get worse over time. Um, I don't think it's going to get better. Um, So I wonder if they're just, you know, kind of waiting to see how the dust settles on it overall. Um, But it is kind of a bummer because, you know, I really like most of the characters introduced in the sequel trilogy. I think Rey's a, a fantastic addition to the the Star Wars universe. I I think Poe and Finn are both incredibly enjoyable, and I'd love to see their bromance continue. Um, and even uh, Billy D or sorry, Lando and Jana had like a little bit of a tease that they were going to go on adventures together at the end of Rise of Skywalker. So it's kind of a bummer that they're they're just gonna put it on the shelf for now. But I I understand their their motives why. It's, I don't know, it just feels like the next kind of five plus years here have been laid out and 
none of it involves the characters that were supposed to lay the groundwork for the future of the franchise. Yeah, I'd say you're right. It's We're probably looking at around, like, uh, we have releases through 2023, so we're probably looking around, yeah, about five years. But you also got to imagine a lot of the actors have either stated that they have no intentions of coming back, um, which doesn't always mean anything, Harrison Ford. Um, but also, they spent, what, the last five, six, seven years of their life on Star Wars? Like, sure. Sure, and a that's lot a of very, them are going. A lot of them are just going to want to move on. And... That's a very valid point. But animated series, books, comics. Oh, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I 100. percent I feel like this is a slight. Um, I feel I would love to see a lot of these characters move on, but I, 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 I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and speaking of the actors, um, you know. Well, John Boyega doesn't have any like new projects announced yet, as far as I know. I think he's got a show. Yes, on he does. Pro- no, he he. Uh, it was a, a I guess the show on Amazon Prime. He definitely had a, a show. He just uh, he was just talking about where he looks. It looks like he's the lead. But he is like he is a star right now. Like he he's in the news constantly. He's a social activist. His speech that he gave over the summer during Black Lives Matter protest was incredible. Um, so, I mean, he's, his star power is huge. Oscar Isaac is in everything now. Um, like, and supposedly they're trying to get him for, uh, Moon Knight, which was just announced. Which would be amazing, but he's, uh, he's gonna be playing Solid Snake. Um, he's in Dune, like, Oscar Isaac, like, that dude does not, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I love Poe Dameron, I want them to do more with the character, but he does not need Star Wars. And Daisy Ridley, I get the feeling that she's just kind of burnt out on star wars a bit um so i think you might be right too jim that i think these actors the stars they're just kind of like maybe i wouldn't say sick of star wars but they're definitely ready to take a break from it and i don't blame them either with the ways they were treated by fans like jesus of course like i i mean i'm surprised they're not absolutely being like no i'm not going back to star wars those people suck yeah it took what 15 years to get um ewan back um so it's I don't say it's out of the question, but you're right. It is a noticeable gap. We have, of all the things that they have announced, most of them don't really have anything to do with the OT or the PT directly. We have two spinoffs of the other Disney movies, Rogue One and Solo, assuming Lando's a spinoff of Solo. Um, but a lot of them are just kind of their own things, which a lot of people have been clamoring for. And so it's kind of a, it's, it'll be interesting to see where we go from here. Or even if we see all of these, like there's no guarantee that something won't happen and we won't see some of these projects ever detours. We're looking at you. Um, (laughs) that's apparently still out there. Yeah, I guess you can find it. Uh, Nick posted it. You can find you can watch Star Wars Detours. But yeah, it is like you said. It's interesting that, and I think it's a good thing that only two of these you have. Kenobi is obviously very can be very tied into Rise of Sky, or Revenge of the Sith and uh, A New Hope, and then you have Andor, which is very closely tied into Rogue One. But other than that, these are all their own new things. Um, I'm excited about that. I think that's cool. That's what people have been clamoring for. Is you know star wars needs more originality you need to branch off do your own thing and now they're doing that and we we are excited and i think rightfully so people should be excited 
All right, well, that is a lot of announcements, a lot of new content, a lot of stuff to get excited for, uh, and a lot of future episodes of Talking Tauntauns coming your way, thanks to the pile of stuff that got announced yesterday. Each one of those topics could have been its own episode of this uh, show. It's, it's a lot. Speaking of episodes, though, we have a new Mandalorian episode to talk about. Uh, chapter 15, The Believer. When one chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore, you are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Whew. This was some solid Boston accents at work. Uh, I love somebody on Twitter pointed out, <laughs> like, you got to imagine Bill Burr was like, all right, I'll be in Star Wars, but you got to let me be racist still. Because he says... <laughs> drops a you people in this <laughs> that's what and when i say you people i mean mandalorians and i'm like i don't know if that makes it better or not like were you just like doubling down yeah on the racism? All, he did, all he did was double he didn't like clear he's like and to clarify i'm not racist he was like and to clarify i did mean that in a racist way <laughs> um no but uh we're getting way ahead of ourselves um very, very good episode. A surprisingly good episode, to be honest. Um, based on who was in it and, and what the overall plot was, um, there's a lot of emotional depth to this episode that I wasn't expecting to come from Bill Burr's Migs Mayfeld, of all people. Um, but I was very pleasantly surprised with how much I enjoyed this episode. Um We've talked about her and her problematic statements, but Gina Carano had a great performance. Um, you know, uh, her crazy, uh, um, you know, beliefs aside, she was great in this episode. And Bill Burr, like, <laughs> Bill Burr connect. Like, like, yeah, he's basically just Bill Burr in space, but still, like, there was some serious, like, emotional depth to his character. And, and the, you know, the, the, um, climactic scene of this episode was like incredible because of bill burr so this was a very surprising episode but in the best way i i was thoroughly impressed and really happy with it even though it kind of felt like a side quest episode you know this late in the season but it was once again thoroughly enjoying uh, enjoyable so like i can there's you know it has its faults but it was so enjoyable that i i have no problem looking past those faults yeah, I I surprisingly uh I surprisingly enjoyed this episode. Uh I was not expecting it. Like coming out of it, I went, that was a lot of fun. I really I like Gina Carano. Like if you are an actor or actress who I personally don't like, generally I'm not gonna like you on screen. Um it's just my my bias um comes through. I admit it. I know it's not perfect. I should not be looking at it that way, but it it's what it does. And I actually enjoyed her in this episode which has got to say a lot about her um in her this and uh like where she's uh she was really getting um into her physicality um being able to, to beat up the uh the stormtroopers and stuff she was she was really good actually um and yeah the, the overall story of the episode was uh great i i really enjoyed it and they even brought in a tie back to Things that we've only seen in really comic and video game form of Operation Cinder. Yeah, uh, that was that was super rad. That was a 
once again, a, 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 a Easter egg that the Mandalorian has dropped that if if you are not a diehard Star Wars fan, you're not it's not going to you know, you're not going to miss out on anything. You don't need to immediately look at it. But if you are a diehard Star Wars fan, that's a cool thing to hear because you're like, OK, immediately we know like, OK, we can put where was Mayfeld? How long was he in the Empire? And it's like, oh, he was in the Empire. He saw it through. Um, but also it was just cool because like you said, we haven't, we've only heard in that in Battlefront 2 and the Inferno Squadron, uh, tie-in book. Uh, so to get that little, that little egg of, of, of lore acknowledgement is pretty sweet. No, Shattered Empire. It wasn't in the Inferno Squad, um, book. Oh, is it Shattered Empire? My bad. Yeah, that's where we first saw it in Shattered Empire. And what, for those who don't know what Operation Cinder is, it's basically a contingency plan by the Emperor. It was right after, between, um... The Return of the Jedi and the Battle of Jakku, which was one year later, um, between that, the Emperor had this contingency plan where he sent out these droids, weird droids with a, like a hologram face of his on them that basically said, burn it all down, burn everything down. If uh, I can't live, kill everyone. And so you had uh, like they tried to annihilate Naboo. In the Shattered Empire comics, um, that got thwarted, and that's what a lot of it was. It was just uh, the Empire bombarding planets and stuff. It was the idea of, like, we will we will continue ruling with an iron fist by dealing a blow that nobody can withstand. Um, it's pretty dark. <laughs> like, it's pretty, it's pretty dark. Um, but you get the very human reaction to that in this episode. Um, with Mayfeld, like, coming to grips of, like, what you like him realizing the empire is pure evil and that he had to participate in that evil and him attempting to come to terms with it was like I said, like was emotional depth from his character. I wasn't at all expecting. Um, it was impressive. He it did was a really, <clears throat> excuse me. He did a really nice job showing a man that's got some demons that have seriously haunted him. Uh, and there was a depth to that character that I, you didn't suspect and it was really well done his acting there was like you could see it starting to just escalate and you could see him slowly mm-hmm. starting to get more and more upset and it was just so subtle and it, and it was um it just changed over you know the course of the scene and and you could see the emotions with him within him at war um this is not a fair comparison by any means but it slightly reminded me of um the bar scene from inglorious bastards where uh you know they're in nazi territory pretending to be german officers and the tension just slowly escalates and escalates and escalates at the table the diff you know there's a lot of differences there but that's kind of what it reminded me of you know, and, and I've seen a lot of like outside film influence um, this season so far, like Alien, Kill Bill, and now Inglorious Bastards. And I thought that was just such a cool uh, scene and so well done on his part. And the other huge moment there from the bar was Mando ditching his helmet. Like the child means that much to him that a creed, uh, a, you know, a, a, a law, whatever you want to call it that if you remove your helmet, it's death. He just said, this kid is more important to me than my creed. And that was just like, wow, so powerful. I think that entire segment um, from the time that uh, they get the, the truck arrives 
to the time that they um, blow up the bridge or the power generator or whatever it was. Um, that segment right there was probably like one of the best segments of the Mandalorian series altogether just because of the emotional impact that you get. It wasn't like, yes, it was action-packed, but it was more like you see Pedro Pascal on full display acting his heart out <laughs> like without like without his helmet on and like he's he's just selling it like this is i i don't know what to do i have my helmet off like I, and even like even before that when he put on the uh the stormtrooper armor um he felt like he i, I acted much more awkward than he normally does in the the series and he like really sold it and my favorite part was when he, he was fighting in that armor he gets nailed um with the um the one of the the, the poles that the guys were carrying and it shatters his arm plates and i think like he was trying to block it like instinctively and realized like oh wait this armor's not that good <laughs> like there there i was a little worried during the fight because i'm like man he's used to wearing like indestructible armor he needs to realize like dude if if you take a laser bolt to the chest with that it's not gonna go well um I was worried he was going to fall prey to the the the, the Wolverine fighting style. Uh, for those of you unaware, uh, people always like to say that Wolverine in the Marvel comics is the best fighter, but he's not. He just can't die, so he doesn't have, like he can take risks that other people can't. And I was worried the Mandalorian was going to fall prey to that, where like he forgets, "Hey, man, you're not in your indestructible armor. You can't, you can't just charge head full at these people." Um, so it was interesting to see him because he wasn't in his armor kind of get his butt kicked for a minute like kind of you know like kind of struggle now granted when he threw the spear at one of them pretty awesome um that was pretty cool um but uh yeah it was it, it was definitely anyway getting back to that that scene we were talking about um that was the most character development we've gotten in this show crammed into a 10 to 12 minute scene both for Mayfeld and for uh Din Djarin. Uh, and it was like Jay just said, just really emotionally impactful. And and as you pointed out too, Jim is Pedro Pascal. Also, though he didn't have as many lines, just through his mannerisms and his body language, acted the hell out of that scene. It was like this episode was took me aback because I was like, man, this is like fantastic television. <laughs> like this isn't just good Star Wars. Like wow, this is really really good filmmaking uh, from everybody involved. It was just. It was so good. Um, and and to take things back a little bit to the beginning of the episode when we go to... Because I realize we haven't really given a synopsis of the episode. But if you're listening to this, you saw the episode. I don't think we need to run through it for you. Um, but from like a set design perspective, first of all, the, uh, the walker that was in the background on the prison planet was a stop-motion walker, not CGI. Oh, was it? Really? It, it, it yeah. was also the same... Or at least very close to the same design as the one that picked uh, the, the razor the crest crane. out of the water. Yeah, yeah, very similar. But yeah, that was that was a stop. I saw on Twitter today. Um, shout out Tom Spina. He retweeted it. Former guest of the show. Um, that that was a stop motion walker. That was practical. So that's really cool. Um, but also, did you guys catch when they were sitting inside Slave One? the whole of the ship moving around them as they yes. took off. Yes, that I thought was that was super cool. Such a cool little detail. Like, I know that's such a minor thing, but I was like, that attention to detail here is part of what makes this show so engaging. And and that and had to have been really hard to do 
<laughs> like to have like a gyroscope, like even in the volume that had to have been hard to ha- to to program it to to have your background move as you're acting. But I, I was just from from the set design to the costumes to the acting. This this episode was like just showed how good the Mandalorian is, not just from a Star Wars storytelling perspective, but from just a like, hey, this is how you make really, really good television. Um, this is an episode that to me justifies all the Emmy nominations they got and shows that they should get more. It it was an incredible episode. Uh, and I feel like you and, and I and Jim just outlined the majority of reasons why. But to kind of rewind a little bit, um, the whole point of this episode was uh, Mando busted Migs Mayfield, a.k.a. Bill Burr, out of New Republic jail with the help of Cara Dune, New Republic Marshal, uh, to get Imperial records. And, you know, we, we kind of saw uh, both men very vulnerable uh, for very different reasons. Um, physically, like, uh, they're vulnerable to uh, the external forces around them and then their emotions. And again, two very different reasons. And we saw a lot of growth and sacrifice from both of these guys. Uh, and it was just from a character standpoint, um, these two men side by side struggling with two very different things, but, um, it, it was just so cool to see these external and internal forces, um, to see them both kind of go on this little personal journey. Like, I feel like this episode was this, like, you know, the larger point here was for Mayfield to help them, um, crack the imperial system to get the location of moff gideon's ship but it was also this this small self-contained like journey of self for both of these guys that i thought was just so excellent um that made this i think like one of my favorite episodes of the series definitely uh not not i think it definitely is one of my favorite episodes of the series so far it says a lot about the 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 characterization on on display in this episode and how impactful and well executed was that in a season that saw the live action debut of Ahsoka Tano and the live action debut of Bo Katan and the name of the child revealed all these huge revelations that this episode is actually the standout episode for me like it was because it was just that that well done and it didn't and that's not to, i'm not poo-pooing the other episodes and, and also i i i know jim just breathed in deeply i didn't forget that the uh the return of boba fett was also in this season but whereas those episodes were great in their own right don't get me wrong but what made those episodes memorable was the you know because we got to see these return of characters that we all wanted so it was it was easier to earn that memorability but in this episode they earned this 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 memorability and, and and it was so stand out just simply on the strength of the story at play. So that to me makes this episode stand out that much more. And I think that just is reveals how good this episode really was, despite the fact that it didn't have a major character reveal or really a major plot reveal. It was just like, Hey, we're going to tell this pretty contained story about like what you said, JJ, I think you put it perfectly about self and the exploration of self. And it was so surprisingly well done. I think that you brought up the point that I was going to bring up is that most of the episodes so far this season have been hinged on a character reveal. Like the, this is the Bo-Katan episode. This is the Ahsoka episode. This is the Boba Fett episode. And 
we didn't really have that this episode. We had only characters that had already been in the show, characters that are unique to the show, um, and that except for Boba Fett, obviously. And but even then, he wasn't really a major part of the episode, um, despite despite his um, play school um, gleam to his uh, new his uh, armor. Got I it. thought the I armor looked great. The I polish that he, was like, a nice touch. I love that he cleaned it up it. and repainted it. It looked like it was a play school uh, armor set. It's fresh. Oh God, I hated that. Um, but yeah, this <laughs> this episode was more dependent on the story than it was on the. Oh my God, this is the Bo-Katan episode. Aren't you so excited? Like, despite that being a good episode, but that, that that's what it felt like. Yeah. So I mean, I think credit goes to um, director. Oh, I'm gonna butcher his last name. Uh, but he also directed uh, the a uh, couple episodes of the first season. Uh, Rick Famuyiwa. Fam- Rick Rick Fam- Famuyiwa. I don't know. He directed Dope, which is also a, a, is an aptly named movie because the movie Dope is dope. So if you've never seen Dope, go watch that. But he did a fantastic job with this episode um, because, as you just pointed out, Jim, it didn't have to rely on these character reveals or like you know a uh, 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 nudge to the fans. Like it had that. Don't we wrong? We talked about Operation Cinder and also the um, the proton bombs dropping out of Slave One. Come on. That was awesome. Like the fact that we got that again. I think those two things aren't even a nudge to the fans. Like the amount of people that know what Operation Cinder are compared to the number of people who know who um, Ahsoka Tano or Boba Fett are. Like the, uh, you, there's not even a, like a percentage even close to that. There were, so it, there were a, a a, 11 of us. There were 11 of us who were like Operation Cinder. Sick. Well, there's, there's two other. I don't know if you want to call them. Uh, Easter eggs or nods or whatever, but um, <laughs> it had me dying laughing when Mayfield was like, "Come on, brown eyes, we got to go fill out our TPS reports." Connor, I know you're a younger man, but you no, seen no, I know, space. I yes, 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 I because somebody pointed out to me, somebody was like, "Did you catch the the Office Space reference?" I was like, "There was an Office Space reference," and they were like, "Yeah, Mayfield says we need to go fill out TPS reports." I was like, "I can't believe I missed that." My wife, who wasn't even watching the episode, looks up and goes, <laughs> TPS reports. <laughs> so subtle. Uh, and then the second one, which was like one of the best parts of the episode uh, from the action standpoint, was we talked about this a little bit before the show, but the return of the Sonic Charge out of Slave 1. As soon as the back door opened, I was like, Sonic Charge! That's it. And they did the sound effect. That's one of my favorite sound effects in all of Star Wars is the so dead good. silence and then the oh, yeah, that was <laughs> um that was awesome. That I don't care. Like that that to me is like, yes, that's right there. That's called fan service and bravo because I loved it. Because <laughs> it was so cool. It was like, yes, here we go. Like one of the coolest aspects of attack of the clones in such a minor detail is every like everyone i know who is a big star wars fan is like oh yeah those bombs are super rad like they're they're awesome so the fact that they brought them back just for one quick use so cool perfect like and like i said uh, like 110 percent that is fan service i don't care it was super rad it they really only brought was. it back. They only brought it back once because the cost of that thing that was like three bounties right there, and Boba hasn't been doing nothing for five years. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, I think the in-universe costs. Yeah, like those are super expensive guns or weapons. Uh, but I also think CGI costs probably a pretty expensive effect to do too. <laughs> uh, yeah. So 
after that, we got the scene of Moff Gideon getting the warning from Mando. And it's basically like, you don't understand what you have. It's, it's you know, to you, it's this, um, like, science project. But to me, like, you have my son. I'm coming to get him. Like, I'm going to kill you. It was uh, word for word what Moff Gideon had said at the same point in the first season, episode uh, seven of the first season, when Moff Gideon lands on um, Navarro, this it's the it's the exact same speech. Just that's uh, awesome. I didn't catch that. Uh, yeah, I didn't catch the, it either. Yeah, it's the it's the exact same thing. Just the Mando says it instead of Moff Gideon says it, uh, okay. which I thought was was great. That makes more sense because that speech it felt weird, like it felt like like it just it felt out of place almost like how is he projecting onto Moff Gideon's ship um and it it is just like yes clearly the context makes sense and it would make sense that that he may say this but if he's just repeating back to him what he had already said that makes that makes it feel more um in line with what I would expect of the the show and the characters yeah and that's and that's why I think partly why Moff Gideon looked so angry and annoyed was because it was a how did he how did he get this message to me and b he's saying what I he's doing my thing like he's but yeah it's it is word for word the exact same thing Moff Gideon said um and I like the way he delivered it because it completely recontextualizes you know the 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 menace of what uh, Moff Gideon said now speaking of you brought it up um I do want to now that we've heaped so much praise on this episode it's time to nitpick a little bit. First of all, how did he get the hologram on the ship? I had the same question. I'm like, they just accept his communications? Okay. Second yeah, of all. And like that's that's a that's a hidden El Pollo Loco. Like you can't just like beam into <laughs> You can't just find a Los Hermanos chicken anywhere in the galaxy. I, I know. It's a it's there's a deep cut for you. That's a <laughs> deep cut breaking bad reference. What's up, y'all? I watch television. I think a lot of people have seen arguably like the best TV show of all time. But um, yeah, I, I'm guessing that was just I'm sending the message out to Imperial channels, you know, and then get back to them. An, an, my the more major nitpick um, is we immediately go from massive celebration within this uh, Imperial Depot that they've delivered these goods and then five minutes later, a full-blown shootout in the officers' quarters, which are directly next to where they were having this massive celebration, and everyone's gone. <laughs> Suddenly, they had to gone. get back to work. Yeah, and so like that was like us oh, wildly convenient, but but it goes back to the the same thing we said in the last episode, which you could also you could nitpick the last episode to death too. Is I don't care. It was really entertaining. I just I just thought of this about the uh, beaming to the ship. The entire purpose of this episode was to get the location of the ship. Yeah. So he's so, got the location. He can immediately beam to it. Boom. And basically, he also told them, I know where you are because I beamed. I, I can send this transmission to you. I know where you are. I'm coming to get you. And you know I'm coming to get you. I'm going to kill you. Actually, I don't think he's going to kill Moff Gideon yet. I don't think they're going to get rid of the villain that quickly. Um, no, that and then, will be during the Defenders matchup coming in <laughs> like, 2023. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and then the other last 
and this is just an overall nitpick for the entirety of the Mandalorian. God, the stormtroopers are so incompetent. Like this isn't new to. The I know it's not new, but it's just <laughs> it's just like man, you gotta. We need an episode that shows them not getting slaughtered. <laughs> um, but I understand you need you need fodder, and and also I think you can also undo that nitpick by saying like, well, yeah, they did lose a war, and now we're seeing why they lost the war. And also, you got to remember these are like they're a ragtag group of basically uh, insurgents. The remnant. Yeah, they're the remnant. So you can also, like, there's a way to unnitpick that nitpick. But it is still a little bit like, there's no, whenever stormtroopers arrive, you're never like, uh oh. You're always like, oh, cool, these people are all about to die. Um, and also, one more thing uh, before we wrap up, something Nick pointed out to me, I want to ask you guys. Were you a little bit uncomfortable that you were li- relieved to see the Empire show up for once? No. Like when the like I, I there was a part of me that was like I don't like that I was happy to see the empire. No, no, it didn't I, bother me at all. Yeah, I thought it was cool. Um, yeah, and what you actually come to find out is that the people who were blowing up the transport were probably tied to the villagers that they drove through, and they were trying to get the empire off. So it wasn't the empire that was. Um, really coming to rescue it. It was really just the Empire coming to, to smack down the enslaved folk. Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, so, a couple people pointed yeah. out as like, yeah, we did watch, uh, we, we did watch Mando kind of just uh, take out a bunch of freedom fighters. <laughs> so, uh, not the best, not the best look for old Din. Well, they called him pirates. Do what he's got to do to save the child. Yeah, I, they called him pirates to I think kind of get around to that, but. It makes more sense if they are tied to the villagers with those quote pirates. Well, I, I'll I'll be honest when when there was like the uh like you see the first explosion, it's clear like they're being attacked. I thought it was going to be Bo Katan. I was like, oh cool, Bo Katan's going to pop back up here because she's going to be assaulting this Imperial Depot, and Mando's going to have to be like, no, I'm sneaking in. But I actually like that they didn't do that because, like we said, that it allowed it allowed the story to stand on its own without having to rely on these other characters. Um, so I'm actually I'm relieved they didn't bring her back in. No, Bo Katan is actually in the other series that is going to be playing concurrently with the Mandalorian. Um, that they haven't announced yet, but it will tie into the Defenders um, reunion. All right. Well, uh, this is maybe the longest show we've ever done. Uh, I think it just might be. It definitely is, as the person who edits each and every episode. Um, Thank you, Jim. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, guys. So uh, this is not the norm for us. Um, So we hope you enjoyed the longer format today. It was a special occasion, given how many announcements we had to discuss from... Uh, Disney's Investor Day. If you have any feedback on the length of the show, uh, shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Talking we actually had a lot of things. That we actually had a lot of things we had to cut out of this show because we had so much that we wanted to talk about and we didn't even talk about it all. So yeah. Next. Next. So week shoot us we'll an have... email uh, if you have any feelings about the length of the episode or if you'd like to see more longer episodes. Uh, you know, we're always looking for feedback on the show. It's talkingtontons at aiptcomics.com. He learned the address. Proud of you. All right. Uh, so that is going to do it 
thanks for hanging out today guys uh we had a lot of fun as always we hope you enjoyed the show too there's a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon for star wars and that means there's a lot of talking tauntauns episodes on the horizon for star wars so maybe we will get to those triple digit numbers one day yeah all right uh so we're gonna get out of here if you uh, enjoyed the show, it does us a lot of good. If you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, we really appreciate it. Uh, also, uh, this show hails from AIPTcomics.com. If you'd like to sh- support the show and the writers from the show, you can do so via Patreon for as little as a dollar. Uh, if you'd like to get on our Discord and hang out with us and talk about Star Wars or many other nerdy topics, it's for as little as $2, uh, you can do that. The information is at AIPTcomics.com or patreon.com slash aiptcomics. You can also hit us up on Twitter at aiptcomics. Yeah, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Hit the subscribe button on the bottom of the screen. It's right over... Oh, wait, this isn't a YouTube video, is it? Smash that subscribe button. Make sure to ring the bell for notifications whenever I post new videos and content. What's up, guys? All right, uh, so with that, we're going to get out of here. You guys forget I had a YouTube show for like a year. It was, you know, wasn't very good. Anyway, I didn't sorry. forget. You never told us. Yeah, I, that's new news to me. But more on that next time. We're gonna get out of here. Thanks for hanging out, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye, you guys.